Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course, we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league, the WNBL, in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you. For me, I think it's great knowing that there are like-minded people out there mm. who listen and just want to say thank you to everybody who does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't go unnoticed. It's been great going over Series 4 and it's been a lot of fun, but it, it definitely has been that Everest. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining me as always, my co-host Jacinta Govind, and this time we're doing a reflection on Series 4. And, you know, while we were going through this, it was kind of a real surprise in how much we've done. So as we're wrapping Series 4, here's some of the things that we'll, we'll talk a bit more about in detail through this podcast. This is our 125th podcast. Our 100th podcast was live from the FIBA Women's World Cup. During Series 4, we did four live pods with guests including Megan Husswaite, and that was done live from the World Cup at Kudos Bank Arena. We had Chris Bongrass and Victoria Denham from the Sydney Kings Hoops Capital at Kudos Bank Arena. We had Rachel Herrick join Jacinta to do a live game call between the Sydney Flames and the Boomers at the Key Centre. We also had Simon and Michelle from MVP Media join us live from the National Convention Centre in Canberra. And we also had a uh, guest drop-in from Alex Bunton for the UC Caps as well during this inaugural DV round. We also had our New Zealand host, Lyndon Moore, join us for a couple of podcasts with Mackenzie Chatfield and uh, Zoe Richards. And there's more great stuff coming up from New Zealand. We also taped our first fan podcast with some super fans talking about women's hoops. It was a double episode. On top of that, we got a shout out to our producer, Mary, who, you know, had to put together four podcasts over the space of two weeks featuring three WNBL player initiatives in that final regular season round around breast cancer awareness, mental health, and the DV awareness. And we also did a shout-out to the Pride round in Adelaide, which we did earlier in the season, when we had Marina Whittle on the show uh, in episode 97 for the people. On top of that, right, and not necessarily on the podcast we're at the FIBA Women's World Cup bronze medal game you know and it's the first time we had the the Women's World Cup on home soil since Oz 94 Lauren Jackson coming back and her impact on women's hoops and on top of that we had our pickup game and the growing community that's supporting us on our journey with shooting the breeze and uh yeah it's been a pretty big series <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, pretty big's an understatement. Like before we started recording, Paul, you and I were just saying how, and Mary as well. Mary was saying during the week too how we're all feeling a little bit tired and run down, and I'm just coming off a cold, having having to take a sick day yesterday. And now, when you put the podcast season in that perspective, when you lay it like that, <laughs> when you show us the layers of the content in terms of like amount of content, the type of content and the layers within the episodes. No wonder we are both tired <laughs> and we are both a bit a bit on the on the poorly side because it's probably all caught up with us. And I honestly thought that it caught up with me uh in January. I was after Christmas I was already feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm already tired and I can't even get through the first month of a new year. Uh, and to be fair, my regular nine to five was um, a bit of a grind as well. So that didn't help. But now when we've actually slowed down and the WNBL has finished and we did that full sprint to the finish line with the live pods and the player initiative pods, like it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. It is. It is. But, you know, to be honest, it, we had a lot of fun through this this series. Oh, yeah. And you know what I learned that was really funny? I'm not sure if Mary told you this, but you and I both run on FOMO. We (laughs) are absolute gluttons for punishment where if we see a great opportunity like doing the live pod in Canberra, like doing the play initiative, like the fan pod, doing it in between the absolute chaos that was the FIBA Women's World Cup, you and I, we don't want to miss out on the opportunity because I personally would much rather live with the exhaustion but the gratitude of having an opportunity and seeing something executed versus I I cannot live with regret. I hate living with regret, so I'd much rather push myself and ride the FOMO to (laughs) pounce on an opportunity than live with the regret. Yeah, and, you know, for me I see all these amazing stories that we get to bring to our audience. And, you know, quite often there's sides to these athletes that people don't get to see. And when we get to talk to them about it, it's really amazing to get this this deeper look into the individuals that we see on the court week in, week out during the WNBL season. Yeah, that's what I really enjoy as well, um, having that opportunity to meet the players as people. Um, And like anyone in life, you don't know the stories that someone has, carries with them, the life experiences that they have. So to have the opportunity of learning a bit more about the athletes, but also so many other people who are involved with basketball in very different ways. I think a big lesson I've learned in the last six months of basketball with the podcast and in general is that so many people come to basketball and experience basketball in so many different ways. Like for me, I was always very much in the organized um, way of basketball, playing reps, playing state programs, following that traditional pathway. And I've met people who see basketball as an opportunity to celebrate, uh, you know, like I played at the pride tournament during world pride in February, March. And they all came to basketball because it was a point of meeting other people from the LGBTQI plus community. Yep. Um, and they probably have never played organized basketball, but it's something that brings their community together. So just learning things like that, I've, I've really valued as well. Yeah. And also, I mean, even the, the community that 
came together around the pickup game that we did during the, the Women's World Cup. You know, I was looking back at some of the photos from there and it was a surprisingly big group and a very diverse group from a lot of different backgrounds. And it actually made me really understand some of that we actually do we, the impact that we have on the fans of the game and that we can bring them together. And, um, you know, people get to meet each other for the, I mean, there were people there that had met each other for the very first time. And by the end of the day, everybody was getting on like a, you know, getting on so well. Yeah, that was really special, the pickup game, because it was something that I don't think you could replicate. You could, well, you could probably try and replicate it, but not have the same experience or, or outcome the first time. It had that sense of spontaneity and serendipity about it. It was the right group of people at the right time, the likes of Kaz being here from overseas, the likes yep. of TP being here from Adelaide, finally getting to see people on court for the first time that the podcast has all brought together in different ways. That was really, really special. And I hope that we get to do it again soon. But when we do do it again, it will still be special in its own way, but we can't compare those two no. experiences to each other because they'll be completely different. Um, but the best the best thing, like I still get surprised when people are like, oh, yeah, I listened to that podcast. Oh, I heard this episode where you said this. That still blows my mind like nearly <laughs> two, 18 months into this podcast journey, I'm still surprised when people are like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I was like, oh, crap, people actually listen. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing that came out of the pickup game was that uh, we ended up going to, to the photographic exhibition that Nick had going on at the Alex, and we also discovered some of the best burgers in Sydney. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't consider myself a foodie, but I, I like to go out and try all the new things. If there's a new pack uh, flavour of Smith's chips out, I'm, I'm going to try them, whether it's, you know, Subway meatball or, like, I don't know, jerk chicken or something. I want to try it, right? <laughs> And then not often, though, when I try a new thing, I'll crave it again. But those burgers still oh, yeah. on my mind. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> no two ways about those ones. No. All right. So, look, let's, let's talk a little bit about this grand final. Now, first of all, I have to say it didn't go to three. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad it didn't, actually. Yeah? I mean, for the for the... Sake of entertainment, I wanted it to go to three, but for the uh, purist in me, that was kind of like, nah, Townsville deserved to win this championship. They deserve to win it into, on paper, kind of mathematically, they should win it into as well because they're on this winning streak and every time they've met the Flyers in the regular season and now in the postseason, they've beaten them. So I think it was really, really well-deserved and a great reflection of that team and that season that that team had for them to win in two. Yeah. And look, game two was interesting because pretty much down to the last probably three or four minutes, it was anyone's game. There was only a couple of points in it. The lead had changed a few times. And then the last two minutes, it just all went Townsville's way. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes, like just weathering the storm enough and to hang in there long enough just to secure a win. And it can just be the matter of 
one, one and a half minutes at a certain point, and that can be that can be all it needs. Yeah. Now, for me, I think I mean I know that that, that Townsville are uh, really putting some some amazing performances during the regular season, the postseason, but I think that first game of the grand final series that was pretty telling. Mm. You know, it, it really was one of those games where, you, like, you look at the scoreline and you're like, really? You know, am I reading it right? I've got to be honest, I was surprised by the gap. Yeah. I uh, was commentating that night for Crusaders, raced home to watch as much as I could of it left, and I ended up coming at half time. I managed to watch the second half, and I saw the scoreline, and I was like, oh, I raced home for this. <laughs> this is what I raced home for because I raced home, uh, you know, I, I would happily watch the replay at a later date, but I needed to watch it for the next day to go on Sunday morning breakfast TV with ABC TV. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, get yourself together. Get your notes in order now and watch this game. And then I was like, but the 30-point deficit, like what am I going to say? I was yeah. certainly surprised. But what a statement to make. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a huge statement. It was like, and I suppose that statement from game one really made the effort that the Flyers put in in game two all the more special because they came out, they came out fighting. And we, I mean, we all knew that they weren't going to roll over, but wow, they really, they really took it to, to Townsville. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like they really didn't leave any stone unturned. They they seriously did as much as they possibly could to try and win that game too. Their defense in the first half was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really happy to see Abby Bishop have her moment as well because we all know how talented and how capable she is. Yep. Um, and what I really liked was not so much that she was being more of a scoring threat from the outside, but when there was a turnover and she found herself with a ball in her hands instead of a point guard, she was actually the one initiating transition. So she was the one dribbling up the court at full speed to prompt everyone else, like, let's go, let's run, because we're, we look our best when we run. Yeah. Um, so I think little things like that made a big difference for the Flyers. So full credit to them for really, really squeezing out as much as they possibly can to try and get that win. Yeah. And look, you know, it's been a great WNBL season. The grand final series, look, I, I suppose if I'm looking at it, given the WNBL season we've had, it would have been great to see it go to three and go down to the wire at the last game. But, you know, it's been one of the best seasons I think we've had in the last five or six years. Oh, yeah, easily. I think last season was really good as well when we saw Perth in the final with the Boomers. We had those outstanding imports in Marina Mabry and Jackie Young for Perth. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I think this year the standard of the league went up a whole nother level. And the, the imports as well for Townsville and Tiana Hawkins and Carly Samuelson probably weren't as, like, show pony as the, as the Marina Mabrys of the world um, mm. for that, that type of entertainment. But, my God, are they skilled? Uh, their commitment to Shannon's game plan and system, like they, they just didn't play like a flashy, like you would sometimes if an import comes in with this expectation that they're going to be flashy. They just integrated themselves so well. And I was actually talking to someone today on Instagram and they made a very good point about how well Shannon coaches to his players' strengths. 
So everything yep. he implements is like, this is all the strengths I have and this is the best way that I can showcase them. And, yeah, just absolutely outstanding team and outstanding season. I do wonder, though, and obviously no disrespect to any teams or players, but considering that the Boomers were the only team to beat Townsville in the regular season, I do wonder about how that grand final series would have turned out if it was fire Boomers. Yeah. It's another one of those those many what-ifs that we talk about. <laughs> mm. But, um, yeah, and I, and I think Shannon really has has shown himself. And he, I mean, we've all known that he's a great coach, mm. but he's really, I think this season, everything fell into place. And you could see that Shannon was was really able to bring the best out of this team. And I've got to say, I think we were we were really, really lucky to get both Shannon and Sam on the podcast to talk about uh, Townsville as well. So, uh, but and I know we're going to talk about that one during the show, but I want to talk to you now about the podcasts that we've recorded. Now, we went through this exercise of, you know, which were the three that really stood out for us. So I'm going to hand over to you and, you know, what's the first one of the, of the three that you were really like, yep, this is the one that stood out for me? The first one, and now during the intro you did um, give a summary of some of the awesome guests and episodes that we have featured in Series 4. So coming up with only three was really, really difficult. <laughs> it was. Um, so some of my honourable mentions, though, would be the Marina Whittle episode, the Jenna O'Hay episode, and the Coach Kennedy Kariyama episode as well. He yep. is, I will say again, Kennedy Kariyama, delightful. Absolutely. absolutely delightful but uh the one of the one of the episodes that stood out for me because it was a little bit different from our normal episodes in terms of content and angle and and the story and it really brought out my academic kind of nerdy side of me being i prefer being quite evidence based in my 9 to 5 i need to be um, and I think I carry that through the rest of my life too. Like you need to show me the proof, right? So the episode Dads and Daughters Active and Empowered with Phil Morgan was one of the ones that really stood out to me. And I think also it stood out to me too because I shared it in another basketball online forum that is, I'm going to confidently say 99% males and the feedback that I got from some of them that listen, A, they listened to it, and B, they gave really positive feedback and really enjoyed it and I felt a bit inspired to get involved with it with their own children. I thought, wow, this episode has made a, a really big impact. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with the fact that, first of all, it's the first time a program like this has ever been done and the academic research that's that's been behind it and has been driving it that Phil Morgan and his team have put together and the fact that it's it's now going around the world and it, it's getting a whole lot of attention. The other thing that was really surprising was that was the first podcast that Phil had ever done in Australia on the, the Daughters and Dads Active program. Wow. Well, that, that's an honour for, uh, for us to be the first Australian podcast. Absolutely, it is. And uh, look, to be honest, I was a bit surprised given... You know, it's had a lot of, I mean, I know the program's had a lot of support from Basketball New South Wales, mm. but there was so much in that podcast and the evidence that they had to support the position that they were taking was overwhelming. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Phil uh, spoke so beautifully about how the idea came about, how the program was developed, how it's been implemented, and about all the running themes and benefits of having a program like this, not just to get uh, dads and daughters more active, but the statistics behind, you know, the participation rates that uh, young female athletes have in sport when a parent uh, is involved versus when a parent's not involved and particularly how, from the dad's perspective, how something like this can be a great vehicle to foster a stronger relationship between fathers and daughters. I think that's super important. And it's for me like, again, in my nine to five, I love it when we can provide some kind of therapeutic benefit to someone when they don't realize they're getting therapy or some kind of like (laughs) secondary, you know, we're doing an activity, but what I'm actually getting you to do is improve these things. Feel like a dads and daughters program is a little bit like that. It was like, hey, come and learn basketball. Come and bring your daughter. And and while we're here, we're going to break down some gender norms. And you're going to foster great relationships. And you're going to work on your communication. And your daughter's going to improve on their resilience. Like it's like yes, it's like yeah. when it's, you sold one thing and you're, you're getting sold a whole bunch of other stuff too. So that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, it's a great program, and it was such an interesting podcast because. All the evidence and the, the the data that was used to drive the outcomes on the program, it kind of appealed to to me as well because I'm I kind of tend to be a bit of a data nerd on some of this stuff, and you know it was just like wow, you know you've got all this evidence and and it's driving the outcomes, and you're actually you've also got the ability to modify the program to to work better given that you've collect more and more more data and you can get the more data points to be able to inform your next set round of decisions. And you're a father of daughters. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Let's not forget that, including, right. including the uh, shit in the breeze intern, Luna. Yeah. <laughs> Who recently has, has discovered that digging big holes in the yard can be a, an interesting way to spend her day. Yes. Well, she needs a whole other program with a whole <laughs> other bunch of evidence, it sounds like. But um, when we were preparing for this episode, Paul, what was the first episode that popped into your mind? I got to say the first one that popped in my mind was the fan pod. And the reason the fan pod popped in my mind was it really gave a voice to the people that support the league. Uh, it, It gave them an opportunity to say what they were feeling. And, yeah, look. I know that there was there was a lot of criticism, but I felt that the criticism was also coloured with we're not just complaining, we actually want things to get better. And also, the honest truth is, I've never heard a podcast where the fans were asked like that to come in and give their opinions and the rationale for why they had those opinions. And you know, I mean, I know it's it's also hard for them because. You know, the, it, it's like you're putting yourself out there and you're sort of saying, hey, this is what I think about this sport that I support and I want to see grow and I want it to succeed. But we've also got issues that we need to address. Yeah, like uh, they were provided an opportunity to have a voice and it was the people who really do propping up the league, essentially. Like without them, there's no league. Yeah. Um, but they're the, probably the ones that aren't heard the most sometimes. Yeah, and what was interesting was 
we had fans from who covered pretty much the teams on the East Coast except for, for Townsville. But what I found really interesting was a lot of the opinions seemed to be similar regardless of, of which team they were supporting. Yeah, that was really, really interesting too. Lots of shared experiences and ideas. We purposely uh, approached people who a, were fans of the league for a while and their engagement with the league was consistent and meaningful. And we also wanted to invite people who were from different states and different clubs to compare those experiences. But it was interesting how similar a lot of those experiences were. Yeah. And there was some that we were all very surprised by where, you know, from the outside, we look at it and go, Hey, wow, that's, that's a really well-oiled machine. But from that team's fans perspective, they're like, no, they've got issues as well. We don't see it. Mm. And so there was a whole lot of interesting insights that we got out of that from hearing from the fans. And, you know, the other thing was there was so much content, we had to split it into two parts. Yeah. Look, I think we kind of anticipated that, though. Um, yeah, and I, I think it was good to split it into two parts because we didn't want our guests to feel restricted um, mm. in what they said. The, the idea of it was to give them a voice and then we couldn't put limits on that voice and say, actually, we only want to keep this episode to an hour, so can you keep your answers short? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so that fan pod definitely stood out to me. Hopefully we can do a similar one with some fans from other clubs next season. Yeah. Um, tackling some other questions. Maybe it'll be a good opportunity to review some of the points for, of, of improvement that were identified in that first episode and we can readdress them with some fans from other areas in another episode. But, um, oh, yeah, when you mentioned um, that perhaps not a lot of podcasts have done it, I, I've heard that there have been some other basketball podcasts that have done a fan pod that they say but I don't think they've done it in the way where it was a forum and it was led by the fans and you and I just mostly sat back. Yeah. Mm. Uh, actually, our questions came more from what they were telling us mm. rather than us driving answers from our questions. Yeah. So we're very grateful for the three brave volunteers for that episode because understandably they were probably feeling a little bit vulnerable Yes. Sharing a lot of their honest opinions, but um, they were absolute troopers. Yep. And hopefully they all enjoy having their morning coffee with their Shooting the Breeze coffee mug. Hey, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what was the, the next one for you that you thought was a real standout? So probably one of the more recent episodes, and it was the mo the recent episode we did with Alex Bunton uh, to help promote her uh, DV awareness round that she had organised with the UC Caps for their last home game. Yep. Uh, that one really stood out to me for lots of different reasons. Um, I guess on the surface it stood out to me because it was a very important issue and it was highlighting, you know, a, a player initiative round for the league. Yep. Um, and I think the other reason why it stood out to me is that Bunce was just so open and honest and transparent and very, very welcoming of us to ask any question about her experience with DV and the importance of the round. And I think that was really admirable how 
willing she was for us to uh, take a peek inside of her experience and her to be able to share it with everyone. Who do they turn to? What do they do? It's a very dramatic decision that, you know, people will think, well, if I stay in risk it, I've still got some securities, but if I leave, I've got nothing. Exactly. And I think, you know, sharing some of my story is I was in a position where, yeah, I had a family that loved me and loved me unconditionally and would do anything for me, but I was in the mental state of embarrassment and, you know, being pregnant towards the end of that, I... I didn't know how to go home. So that was running through my head going, will they accept me when, you know, with the baggage that I'm bringing home, you know, with the, well, am I going to be able to come home and say, I've got nothing left. I've got no money. I have, all it is, is me, my unborn child in my car. You know, I'm not a basketballer anymore. Like, what are they going to think of me? What are my friends going to think of me? How am I going to come from being a professional athlete to what my ex used to call me, like a washed up single mom? You know, that was embedded in my in my head and that mental and emotional state that I was in, I believed that, you know. So my the narrative that he he told me and dictated my life to be was what I was living in a way. So, yeah, it's... Even when I went to the police and I was moving forward and I took that next step, I was still trying to figure out, okay, what do I have from here? You know, how do I how do I completely let go of that relationship too? How do I completely let go of that situation and, you know, trust that the next step is the right step kind of thing? So yeah, for people it's um it's not as easy as just like going, Yep, someone help me or I'm reaching out for help now all right, that's the answer to all my problems. It's, it's so much more than that. Also, the other thing that was, for me, one of the, the big takeouts was that what people perceive domestic violence to be isn't necessarily what it is. Yeah, and um, I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about that. And Bring a stronger understanding around that domestic violence, like Bunt said, isn't just physical violence. Domestic violence is also emotional, financial, and you know the coercive control, um, psychological kind of violence that can come with it as well. Um, and look, I hate to use this reference, but the likes of Harrison on Maths. In all seriousness, some of the communication styles he uses and his behaviour is very scary to me. Because that, to me, reads like someone who has the capabilities of really emotionally and psychologically manipulating someone, and that scares the absolute crap out of me. And so I hate to use that as an example, but that's kind of an, an insight into how powerful something like coercive control and psychological and emotional abuse can be. And I know that's probably a really poor example being a reality TV example, but that's the kind of thing that I'm glad this episode was able to bring to light, that it, there are other facets to it. So, And some of the other warning signs of when we feel like someone may be experiencing domestic violence, the sudden need to cover up, the sudden socialization, the sudden withdrawal, that very out-of-character behavior um, yeah. I think was really important to bring up. And also... What Bunce is all about is trying to destigmatize being a survivor of domestic violence as well, that it still does carry stigma and it's not as easy as just being able to leave. Yeah. 
One of the other things that she said during the, the podcast was that whole, you know, that people see it as a very binary type situation where it's like, well, you know, if that's happening, just leave. And it's not that simple. It's not that straightforward. It's There's a lot of grey. It's not just a black and white situation, which I think a lot of people see domestic violence as being. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what was really interesting is when that episode just dropped, I'd made a bunch of new friends uh, through basketball, thankfully and gratefully, um, and one of them reached out and said, oh, I really, really enjoyed that most recent episode because they had just started to listen to the podcast for the first time. And I wasn't sure if she was talking about the Amy Rochi episode or the Bunce TV episode because they came out quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and they were both important issues to speak about. Um, and this person was able to share how she's like, I was also a survivor and this was my situation. So having people like Bunce continue the conversation of like, this is what it's actually like is going to help further destigmatize being a survivor of DV and that DV isn't, shouldn't be such a hush-hush topic and hopefully will bring some strength to others to come forward and, and share their stories and not feel ashamed about it. Yeah, and, and I know this isn't the same episode, but when we did do the live podcast from the National Convention Centre during that round, it was great to have Bunce jump on live so that we could continue the conversation a little bit in that live uh, format. And it makes me realise that it, that conversation needs to continue. Yeah, and when you were having that conversation live, because it was yourself and Bunce, obviously, but you also had Simon and Michelle from UC Caps Weekly. Yep. So there wasn't an extra headset for me because I gave mine to Bunce, so I missed a big chunk of the conversation, which is fine. I was happy to sacrifice that. But during that conversation was... Um, did you talk much about, I think Bunce is going to, was shooting a documentary, I think, yeah, around she's, the issue? Yeah, they're working, she's working on something <laughs> with them, yeah. yeah. So that will be another good avenue for advocacy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's an important topic. And those player initiative rounds, I think, is, is a great thing that, that the WNBL has started this season and that I hope that they're going to keep going forward because we know from talking to Bunce that the entire UC Caps team got behind her to support her in initiating that DV round for their last home game. Mm. And the other thing, it seemed to me that, you know, a lot of the fans were behind that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, UC Caps having some of the most loyal fans in the WNBL, yeah, definitely lots of people out in purple and willing to support Bunce too. So. It was a really, really great initiative and a great success. So Bunch should be very proud. Absolutely. Um, so for you, though, Paul, what was your second cab off the rank for memorable episode in season four? Okay. Second cab off the rank for me was also one of the player initiative rounds. It was the, the breast cancer round that the Flames did for Tiana Mangakahia. And it was an interesting pod because we didn't only have Tiana, but we also had Vanessa Panusis on. And look, I think both of us weren't quite sure where it was going to go with having the two of them on on together. Yeah. Were you uh, perhaps anticipating another two-part episode or for Mary to have her work cut out in the editing suite? <laughs> yeah, well, I, look, it was always a possibility. But I think for me, probably the the thing that was really striking about 
that podcast was, first of all, Tiana telling her story, and particularly when, when people realize that she was overseas. You know, she was at Syracuse when this happened to her. You know, so she was thousands of miles away from home, yet the university supported her, her family supported her, they, they traveled over during her treatments. You know, full credit, she did it. She did it tough. I don't think there's a lot of people who would you know, go through what she did and still stay in college in the US rather than, you know, pack up and come home. Oh, for sure. If I was dealt that devastating news at such a young age, my first thing would be, I want to go home. I'm going to call yeah. my mum and I'm going home. That's it. The end. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the courage that she showed by staying there and doing a treatment and got to give props to the college for supporting her through that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I still think about it. It's like, wow, you know, what an amazing thing for her to do and to have all that level of support to get through this battle that she that she won. Yeah. What were the reasons for you of sharing your story online as well? Yeah, mainly for other people. I think I also didn't know how I would come out of it back with basketball, like if I would still ever be the same player as I was before. So I think like that was another reason because the whole way through it, I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to come back. I'm going to play and I'm going to get back to how I used to be. And so that's one of my main reasons for myself and for others to see, like you can literally get through anything and yeah, to help them kind of push through whatever their challenges are. Just for FYI, T was going through chemo and literally playing pickup. Yeah. At the same, I would like call her whatever. I was like, what are you about to do? She's like, I'm going to go play pickup. I'm like, what? You just had your treatment the other day. She's like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm going to go. I'm like, she's yeah. a different, she's a different beast this one. Because that's what like made me feel like happy, yeah, you know? For sure, like yeah. when I didn't, I don't know, I guess I'd be in the room or. Trying to live your life as normal Yeah, as I was trying to be as normal as possible. Yeah. And that's what I would usually do. I'd go play pickup at the park or like at the rec center at Syracuse, so. And uh, also, just in the same way we were saying about Bunce, you know, um, really grateful for for Bunce to share her story and be so open and honest. Also, equally as grateful for Tiana sharing her story and allowing us to explore her experience with her and what that was like and getting her on the mic to share. Because, yeah, people don't have to share this stuff with us at all. We have the privilege of being able to ask and, and having the privilege of listening. But then the thing that I liked about this episode too was this the I feel like it was a really well balanced episode because it had a lot of light sides to it with Ness being there talking yep. about their friendship and where Ness was in the world and in her career and in her life when she heard the news about T and how they've always circled each other like they were those types of friends who could go, you know, years without seeing each other and the time that they do like didn't they say that they ran into each other at an airport and then they just Got on like a house on fire again, like they hadn't missed a beat. That's right. That was down. I think if if I remember right, it was in in Texas. It mm. could have been. I think it was Dallas or Houston. And one of them was staying overnight with friends for their next, and so they both ended up staying there. 
Like just wild stories. Like you can't make that stuff up. Like I love hearing those stories and how now it's so great that they're back playing together and they're planning to do a clothing line or something together and they just bounce off each other so well. And it's so funny how they are off court and on court. They still balance each other out. So Ness is really like hype off court and jamming up Tiana and Tiana's a little bit more shy and reserved. And then on court, roles reversed. Roles reversed. And, you know, I I think for anybody, I mean, we've been lucky enough to be able to talk to Ness and Tiana at a few games before and after the game. But then you really get to see their characters. And I'm hoping that that enough of their, their individual personalities came out during that podcast for people to realize that they're pretty special. Yeah. You know? Absolute sweethearts, a pair of them. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you never know what you're going to get. No. <laughs> you know what was really funny actually in that episode when they uh, so honestly like spoke about how going out in Sydney, like going clubbing in Sydney is so bad yeah. because then when we went to the WNBL Awards, you know, weeks later, and it somehow came up in conversation with other Flames players, then they were like, oh, going out in Sydney sucks. It's so bad. And I was like, that's, so, that's exactly what the other two said. I hadn't realised it had gotten that bad. So, yeah, that was kind of a nice little uh, thread in the storyline, but definitely a memorable one. And hopefully we could do another one with them at some stage together too. Yeah, I, I think that's one of those ones where, like I said, you never know what you're going to get. It's kind of doesn't matter how much planning and how many talking points we might sort of sit down and, and go with. You've always got in the back of your head that, yeah, three and a half seconds in and we can just throw everything out the window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a very, 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 very loose plan. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so now Mary asked us to identify three podcasts out of the series. and. The third one, we both came up with the same the same podcast. Yeah. So I'm going to let you run with this one. The third podcast that you selected and that was the same for me was um, Shannon and Sam. So let's talk about it. Yeah, Shannon and Sam. Uh, Sam Pascoe, the GM of Townsville Fire, Shannon Seabom. Now we can say at the time of this recording, WNBL 23 Coach of the Year, WNBL 23 championship coach. Yep. Just outright legend. I mean, he's won two championships now. He and Steph Reed and Courtney Woods have now won two championships in the last, what, nine months because they all won with Townsville for the NBL 1 North yep. competition uh, and now WNBL. So strengths are strengths for the, the that trio. Yeah, so this episode really caught me by surprise as well, and I think that's probably why it made the list. It was great to have both of them on together, listening a little bit more because I honestly didn't know too much about Townsville before the episode and, and Sam's role as GM, but it stood out to me because the partnership and the mutual respect and admiration they have for each other as people and as colleagues really came through in this episode. And then I was really grateful that they were able to share the extra layer of the community and fan engagement that the Townsville Fire as a club pride themselves in. Uh, for example, Steph Reed going to the community juvenile centre every month and spending a whole day with some of the young females that are in the correction centre and trying to 
have the Townsville Fire be good role models for young females in the local community. I thought that was outstanding. And also hearing a little bit more about Shannon's journey as a coach, because I knew bits and pieces, but I didn't know a lot about it. And just um, how they both also respect each other's roles to get out of each other's way. Like Shannon just lets Sam do her GM thing and Sam has full confidence in Shannon to do his best as a coach. And obviously it's a winning combination. Yeah. I think if there's anything, the number one thing that came out for me out of the podcast was this was a podcast that really showed when you've got a good working relationship between the team GM and the coach and how they relate and how they work together. And the other thing, as you said, is that the community engagement that the team has up in Townsville is quite, not quite, it's very deep. And also the other thing that came out was they do their level best to keep the team in Townsville. Right, whether it be by, you know, opportunities for work or playing in the NBL one. So one of the things that comes out is that you've got this strong core of players and people that are fundamentally playing together, working together. And it's not just like, okay, the season's over, we're gonna go our separate ways. Predominantly they stay together. And I think that's one of the the really interesting things that came out of it for me. And I think it also showed in their performance this year in the WNBL. Yeah, definitely. You couldn't even see that mutual respect and uh, support for the players on and off the court. You could see the way that they celebrated last night when they won the championship. It obviously makes a big difference and it's really reflective of what Shannon is implementing and how much, like Laurie Chiswick said in our WNBL Finals preview podcast, how much the players believed in it and bought into it. Yeah. And when everyone, it's very rare, in my opinion, to see a team commit that much to each other and to what the coaches implemented so much. Like there was no deviation in that team from 1 to 12. You could tell there was no deviation in terms of culture, support for each other, performance and execution on the court, there was no deviation at all. And that's very, very rare. And that's what made them so unstoppable for this 16-game winning streak because when you get that perfect formula right of playing to your players' strengths, implementing things to showcase those strengths and everyone buying in, that's 100% winning formula. I think the other times I've seen that in most recent history that comes straight to my mind is when Tom and Renee Gallup have coached the Norse women. Yep. Especially the times when Tom's won championships, when they won championships, like that's pretty evident. But um, yeah, to, to know that the Townsville fire from top to bottom, all on the same page in terms of from an admin point of view and to on court, like that's really, really outstanding. I doubt those players will have a season like this ever again. Yeah, and that winning streak through the back end of the regular season into the postseason and into the grand final series is not something you see very often. No, not at all. Not at all. And just the way, I think, just the way that they, like, cared for each other as well, I think the big takeaway that they'll have is that they may be in championship teams again, but the thing that I think might make it more meaningful is just the way they all just got along. 
Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a hallmark of, of all great teams is the way the players get along. But one of the other key takeaways from this that podcast with Shannon and Sam was the fact that it was really obvious to me, and as you said, rightly, there's that level of trust that Shannon has in Sam to do the GM stuff and keep all those issues away from Shannon so that he can focus on doing his coach stuff and that Sam also has that level of confidence in Shannon to say, I got a good coach here. This coach knows what what they've got to do to get the outcome we're driving for. I don't need to step into that space. Yeah, yeah, and it's so important because I think Shannon also touched on his scene how when, you know, the GM and the coach can kind of blur the lines between roles uh, that it doesn't work, that it really doesn't work. Because I know that you and Mary have a history of kind of working with Shannon to a point when he was at the Flames as well. So, Yeah, and and look, that's the thing. You know, Shannon even then, and that was at the very beginning of of his coaching career at at that level, there was, you know, I mean, the odd um, televised blooper aside. Yeah. uh, you know, there was this this confidence that Shannon projected and the players would pick up on that and you'd see that in the performances. So yeah, it's oh look, I'm really I'm really happy for him to have got that chip and you know, coach of the year again. So it was just one of those podcasts where we learnt a lot about the Townsville world. And strangely enough, it's one of those clubs that you don't always hear a lot about. Yeah, unless they're winning chips. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you hear a lot about the boomers, you hear a lot about the flyers, you hear a lot about all the other clubs. There's lo- always lots of noise about them and but Townsville just, you know, sits back and just gets on with business. Yeah. And when you say a lot of noise, like do you mean um not a lot of mainstream media noise and, you know, uh if ever a WNBL club is going to be featured on like a page spread of a of a newspaper. It's not usually the fire. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. look, obviously up in Townsville, they're oh yeah, you know they're they're all over the place. But it's almost like as soon as you get past a certain point south of Townsville, yeah, there's no real news about them unless they're getting down to the pointy end of the championship. Whereas you know, there's always news buzzing around about you know, the other clubs, right? Yeah. And I don't think it's – it's certainly not that Townsville's not looking to promote the club and the activities of the club. I think it's just everybody seems to go, oh, yeah, they're a long way away, so, you know, we'll get to them. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like they just don't necessarily get the ongoing attention they deserve. Yeah, and I think that's perhaps a downside of being a regional team because – as a region, as a club, as a town, they put in a lot of support. You know, I've seen clips of the players leading into the final series saying how much the people in the town would see them when they're out getting a coffee and say, oh, my gosh, it's the fire. Good luck. You know, we'll be watching. And how they organise a whole bunch of outdoor, like, screenings and stuff for the game for those that couldn't attend in the venue. All that yep. stuff's great. Their social media is great, covering a lot of good content and varied content as well. Um, but I think you're right. I think the regional towns often are forgotten about in the same vein that I think Bendigo probably is at risk of being forgotten about unless they're in the top four winning championships. So 
Um, So, look, for me, I think, and, you know, it's unfortunate that we were limited to three each. Yeah. Because, you know, we didn't talk about any of the stuff around the FIBA Women's World Cup. And also, the you know, some of the podcasts that we did on the run-up to the Women's World Cup where we sort of, you know, got a bit of information about what went into winning the bid and things that went on around organising the, the Women's World Cup and some of the, the forecasts that we got about it from having Michelle Timms on the, on the podcast. It's, it's just, there's so much. It was like, really? I can only have three? Yeah. Well, I remember <laughs> what I was going to say about the uh, Sam and Shannon episode is that we had some lovely Towns of Fire fans that were probably loose fans of the podcast, listened to that episode and say they really enjoyed it. So it was nice feedback to know that we did their club justice if the fans felt like it was a nice, good episode. That was good. Yeah, it was. And so, look, we're closing out Series 4 and our upcoming Series 5. We're going to take a a slightly different perspective on, on women's basketball. We're going to have a bit of a look at grassroots, which I think is something that, that gets overlooked a little bit. Now, that doesn't mean to say that we're going to ignore the, the Women's Asia Cup because we're not. We're definitely nah. going to be looking at that. And there's a lot of other things that are going on. But, yeah, got to say, I think Series 4 was fantastic, but it was also, let's say, it was a long, long series. It was Everest. It was Everest. If there ever was a season, it was Everest. That was Everest. It was Series 4. But, <laughs> but yeah, like you said earlier, still very, very grateful for what Season 4 brought to us yep. in terms of the experience, the friendships, the connections that we've made, the family that we are building around this podcast. You know, I really wanted to get this in before we finish recording of how grateful I am for all of our loyal listeners and for our new friends and fans of the podcast because we have a lot of lovely loyal supporters and your support doesn't go unnoticed. It's just brought a whole other uh, facet of basketball for me personally and an opportunity to meet more basketball fans. And, yeah, it's just been awesome and forever grateful for everything that has come with this podcast. Yeah, it's, you know, when, when the podcast started, I don't think we expected that we'd get to build the community. And I think that's, you know, that's really the special thing that, that's come out of this is, you know, we found a lot of, very like-minded people who want to support women's basketball, who follow the pod, they support us. And when we do have events like you know the the pickup game, they they show up. And yes, that w- that was really special because we had people who'd come from overseas to be here for it as well. And I think if anything, the one thing that I'd like, that I hope we're going to keep doing, is building that community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really, really good point. I hope that we do keep building the community. And I feel like we're going to get, I hope that we get to a point where we have all of our little side STB communities. And it's so fun when like our side communities then join and meet like the one side of the community, meet the other side of our community. And then it becomes like an even bigger community. Um, I'm hoping for that. Yeah. And, you know, we know that there are a lot of people overseas who listen to the podcast from New Zealand. In the US, in Japan, across Europe, the UK, uh, Canada, we've got people who listen to us in Africa, in India, 
So the community is, is and, and you know, they're, they're regularly listening. So there is a community there that's starting to grow. And for me, I think it's great knowing that there are like-minded people out there mm. who listen and just want to say thank you to everybody who does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't go unnoticed. It's been great going over Series 4 and it's been a lot of fun, but it, it definitely has been that Everest for us, I think, and especially for Mary who edits the podcasts and, you know, manages the social media and really stays on top of all of that for us too. And I don't think the podcast would be anywhere near as successful without her contribution. Oh, my gosh, no. Oh, my gosh, this podcast would be... Oh, nothing without her, honestly. I feel like she she definitely has the hardest job getting us organized, getting our talking points together. The, oh, I can't imagine how she actually edits and produces our episodes, to be honest, Paul, because, like, I, don't, I really don't know how she does it. Honestly, she's, she's more than the backbone of this podcast. Absolutely. Okay. It's, as always, it's been great talking to you and... You know, it won't be too far off before we're back with Series 5 and we'll be looking at all sorts of new facets with women's basketball. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a whole new page to turn, I think. As always, Jacinta, thank you and uh, we'll catch up with all of you, our fans, soon. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.